Hey church family, it's so uh, good to be with you today. Uh, we're doing something special and hopefully we'll continue doing this for you. The elders have come together to answer some of your questions that you submitted to us. Um, we can't unfortunately get to all of the questions that were submitted, but we're going to take uh, as many as we can today and, uh, and answer those. Uh, thank you for submitting them. Uh, I, I told you in the video before that I would not share names of folks who uh, shared a question uh, on, uh, on the air or on this video. But what I want to make sure you understand is that I did get permission on one of these to share a name. It's uh, one of the nine-year-olds in our church, so um, I wanted to give her credit for that and uh, let her know we're, we're answering her question as well. So we're going to have uh, at least three questions uh, to start us off today and uh, just have some discussion. We've have had some preliminary time uh, to, to look at some scriptures and, and visit about those questions, but we're going to really have a real-time conversation, and uh, the, the elders have brought their Bibles and some notes, and uh, we'll, we'll hash out some of the questions that you have presented to us. So we're, we're grateful for that opportunity. We're grateful that you have submitted those questions and we'll, we'll look forward to the next time we do this as well. Um, before we start, I'd like to just open in prayer and uh, maybe you want to grab a Bible at home too, but we'll, uh, we'll open in prayer. Father, we uh, submit and surrender ourselves to you right now. We ask that you would, would guide the discussion between uh, these men. Lord, I thank you for the hearts of these guys who are here. God, I thank you that they, they love your word and love you with all their heart, God. And um, God, we aren't perfect by any means, but we, we strive to, to know you more and more and God, to lead um, those in our church family well. So God, be with us today as we discuss, as we answer these questions. Thank you for those who have submitted questions and God, their, their desire is to grow and to know you more. So we, we thank you for them. God, I pray you just bless this time and we commit it to you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, if you're not familiar with everyone up here, uh, I'll introduce on, uh, on my left, your right, we have Dave Holst, and then we have Alistair Curley, uh, I'm Brandon Turk, this is Ryan Wilden, we have Jeff Repass, and we have Hoyt Bradley at the end over there. So we will uh, we'll have a good, good uh, discussion here coming up. Uh, our first question, um, I'll read the question, this is verbatim what comes in, and, uh, and we'll do our best to answer several aspects of it or as much as we can to help, uh, help not only the person who asked the question, but the rest of the church family as well. Uh, our first question says this, I have been struggling to learn how to articulate the difference between godly boundaries and not standing in judgment against someone as we are told not to do in Luke 6 and in James 4. I know boundaries are important in our lives and can please God, but how do we put them in place without judgment? Um, we'll go ahead and read the two passages of scripture that were presented on this, uh, on this question. Um, we, we narrow those down to some passages about judging. In Luke chapter 6, we look at verses 37 and 38. Jesus says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then uh, the passage in James chapter 4 uh, was also referenced, and we'll go there and look at that. And that was verses 11 and 12. Uh, it says, Do not criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. 
There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? All right, so those are the two passages cited in the question. Uh, we have the question out there, and we'll open that up for discussion and, and maybe some other, other thoughts, guys. Apparently nobody wants to start. <laughs> That's odd, huh? <laughs> we don't typically have that problem. <laughs> well, the Brown Rules Board, we don't want to talk over each other. So That's right. I'm trying to be obedient to that. What, what, are your, what are some of your thoughts? Well, first of all, my thoughts on those two passages that were, that were given as examples. Um, first of all, are dealing with us as believers, like from one believer to another. Um, and we know from Scripture that that we are to judge one another in the church, in the sense of if there's sin in the brother or sister's life, that we are told to uh, address that sin with them. So in that sense, making a judgment, but um, the, what, what these passages are getting at, I think in the context of those passages, is that we would not be um, slandering or speaking evil of another person that's different than, than judging uh, sinful behavior or something like that. And, and in particular, the James passage, dealing with that subject is basically what he's describing is a person who's, who's put themselves in the place of God. I am, I am in the place of God. I am sort of above the law. I'm judging everything. And that's what verse 12 addresses, that there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So we are not to put ourselves in the place of a sort of condemning judgment of someone. Um, but it was brought up before, as we've talked about this before, that it's really the idea of restoration. When one believer goes to another believer and, and addresses sin in their life, it's not to put them down, to condemn them. It is because we care about our brother or sister. We love our brother and sister. And we do want what's best for them. And that is that we would be obedient to the word of God. And so we, we are commanded in scripture to do that with one another. So we have to sort of define judging, you know, what, what is going on here. There is a righteous way that we judge, but there's an unrighteous way that we can judge. And that's what we have to try to avoid. Right. So like in Romans 8, 1, he talks about um, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And the condemnation that we had before we were in Christ Jesus was that of death. Right? So we know that as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that is our goal, is to bring that restoration and not to condemn to the point of death or salvation. That's not our, like Hoyt said, that is not our, our job to put ourselves above God, but to bring a brother or sister along to restoration or to um, encourage one another back to Christ. I like the passage, you know, if you look at the Luke passage in Luke 6, just before verse 37, I mean, if you want to talk about the contextualization of this of this topic, um, it talks about your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. So if we talk about this idea of judgment, the, the emphasis Christ is beginning with and setting this up for is saying, listen, we, we are to extend mercy, right? And, and mercy is unmerited favor. We're, we're to give unmerited favor. Someone, when someone doesn't deserve it, especially when someone doesn't deserve it, 
what, what it's saying is we are not to condemn, right? We're, we're not to come and say, you're condemned to hell. You're condemned, condemned in your life because of the sin. We, we can come and urge or warn and, and help someone reconcile and restore. But to play the, to play the role of God, yeah, you're right. That condemnation is not what we are to be about. I think sometimes it's easy to get in this mindset that somehow I'm, I'm better than somebody else because of what I'm doing in my life and what they're doing wrong in theirs. And that kind of leads to an attitude of condemnation as opposed to saying to myself, you know, this person is a sinner just, as, just the same that I am. And as much as I want to be right with God, I want my brother to be right with God at all. And I think Dave mentioned it earlier that, you know, we want that of each other. And for us to not want their, want their well-being or want them to be restored back to God, is uh, that's what we ultimately want, mm-hmm. right? It's unloving to ignore something that is killing our brother. You know, I think one of the examples I gave earlier is that my wife, when she's home with the kids, she has to make a judgment call when some, somebody comes knocking at the door, right? She's not going to just open the door to anyone. She has a responsibility to protect her kids, protect herself. And how does she go about making that decision? She has to make a judgment call. Not one that is really condemning the person that's at the front door, but really protection. Right, right. Good. And the other, the other issue too is again in, in the mat, in um, um, Sermon on the Mount, um, where Jesus is teaching on on judging, and he specifically is talking about do not judge. But he also goes to the point where he's talking about that we're all familiar of the. Um, let me read it, just because Jesus says it better than I do. Um, do not judge, or you too will be judged in Matthew 7. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Again, it goes very strongly to the heart of what judgment, as, as Jeff just said. It's always about restoration. And it's not loving to not help my brother or sister in those situations, you know. So to recognize someone is sinning or is walking away from the Lord and to not desire restoration and healing for them is not loving. And I think that goes to a lot of this, this whole passage is, is Jesus is looking up and is asking for a reflection of us of why are we responding to people that are in sin? Is it out of our own personal offense or is it a desire for their restoration and for their healing? And I think it's always about, I mean, it goes to why Jesus came, right? And the whole point of, was restoration of us in our relationship with Christ. And that's the heart that we should always have in these situations. Can I, can I share a, sure, two scriptures? And I think they go along with what Dave just said uh, really well. You know, in Matthew 18, there's a section there about how we're to handle if a brother sins against us. And I won't read the whole section, but the, the first verse in that section, verse 15, I think speaks to what Dave was just saying, what the goal is. It says, if your brother sins against, this is Matthew 18, verse 15, by the way. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And that speaks to the goal there is, is that we would gain our brother and sister, of course. Um, but that is, that is the goal. Another goal in this, I think, is spoken about from Paul in uh, Colossians 1, verse 28. And speaking of Christ, 
here, when he's in verse 28, when he says him here at the beginning, he's talking about Christ. He says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom uh, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's a goal behind this too, not, not just to win our brother, uh, but that we would present one another mature in Christ. That implies that we have growth. We have these things help us to grow and mature in Christ when we confront sin in a brother or sister's life. And not only doing that, but when we're the one confronted and how we respond to being confronted. Um, and so it's something we're not really great at. Uh, it's a hard thing to go to a brother or sister in Christ about sin, um, but we are commanded to do it. And um, you know, our response, if ever approached, should be to listen to what is being said and being honest about it and, and coming clean so that we can be the brother or sister that is one. Well, and we certainly, whenever we approach a brother or sister in sin, you know, Scripture says, you who are spiritual should restore them gently, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the idea of that restoration is mm -hmm. it's restoration, but it's you who are spiritual. And, and that's, that sounds like a super spiritual word, because it is, it is, right? But it, it, what it means is it's what, what you said in Matthew, what Jesus said. you, you got to take the, the speck out of your own or the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. We have to be in a right condition in our own heart before we approach a brother or sister in sin. And then that, using that humility and that gentleness, that, that'll become evident. You say, I, 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 want your, I want your life. I want your restoration. I want you to, to know and, and, and come to, come to a deeper faith in Jesus and a deeper obedience in Jesus. And ultimately, it's not just so we all look good. It's, it's for the glory of God, that, God, that, that we would be a, a, God, a people for God's own possession and, and that we would be God's people and in line with that. But, you know, one of the things we, we talked about... Uh, how we, you know, judging brothers and sisters and, uh, and using judgment there or, or and not, not condemning, uh, but using gentleness and wisdom and for restoration. Um, any, any more thoughts on that aspect? Because I, I kind of want to turn the corner there and let's talk about those who are not brothers or sisters in Christ, who, who may not be part of our family, part of our church family. How, what kind of judgment or what does the scripture say in our, in our estimation here about judging those who are outside the church? I think, um, and I think we spent good time talking about this, it's fairly well answered in 1 Corinthians. Um, in the scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse 9, where it says, Paul is writing to the church, but he says, I have written you in my letters not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy, or swindlers, or idolaters, which is pretty broad, right? In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I am writing you that you are, must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. With such men, do not even eat. So I think Paul makes a pretty significant description that we live in a sinful world um, and we shouldn't have rules and laws for people that aren't Christ followers expecting them to be. We'll read verse 12. There's 11 13. Yeah, so I'm sorry I didn't finish it, did I? What business is of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Clearly making a distinction between judging those inside the church and, and not again, not judging with a condemnation, but for restoration. And then and then not judging those outside. You know, we say this often, and I, I preach on, on this or say it. Why would I 
judge or, or expect something from the world that's that's of God, right? The, the actions I see in the world are exactly what I expect. They're they're worldly. They're ungodly, and that's that's what we live in. We live in that day and age, and we we're we're called out of that. We're called and rescued from sin, and called and from to freedom from sin as believers. Uh, but it, it doesn't mean we're holier than thou. It means that Jesus is holy and He's forgiven us, and we found that forgiveness in Christ. But but then we don't expect something different from those who haven't found forgiveness and freedom from sin in Christ. Yeah, but, it's a, it's a it's an interesting situation because. I can expect certain behavior from myself or another brother and sister in Christ based on what God says in his word. And we can hold each other to that. The bad behavior, sinful behavior of unbelievers, uh, though in the same way it's sinful, they don't, they haven't been regenerated. They don't have uh, um, Christ's affections. They They don't hate their sin, whereas... Believers should hate their sin, right? Though we still struggle with it, we, we should hate our sin and continually try to kill it in our lives. Um, but we can't hold the unbeliever to that standard yet because they have not been regenerated. Hence, they need the gospel. They need to hear. And so in that sense, they you'll hear it when people share the gospel with others. Sometimes they're accused of being judgmental. Right. Well, it is in a way, but what we're, what we're expressing is God's judgment against sin. And calling that person to repent and put their trust in Christ as, as Savior. Um, so in that sense, it can sound like being judgmental, but it shouldn't be in the same sense as one believer to another. Uh, they don't, you know, it, it should be expected. The sinful behavior of the outside world, it should be expected. Not that it's good, but it should be expected. They don't know, right? But believers, it should be expected within the church that we wouldn't have sinful behavior and that we would need to deal with that sinful behavior. Um, sure. And I was just going to say, just to clarify that with what you kind of said, Hoyt, just to kind of sum it up, the reality of it is we shouldn't be expecting non-believers to be living a life that Christ calls us to. The issue is not behavior. The issue is the gospel. They need the gospel, not good behavior. I mean, and that's, yeah. I think that's the thing that we oh, fall absolutely. to. We get offended by poor behavior. Whereas what we need to be offended by are, are, are saddened by or grieved by, they don't have the gospel of Christ. Yeah, because right. Absolutely. Back to rest- restoration again, right? We want everybody to be restored to, to the original. Right. Relationship with God, relationship with God. And, and with each other, right? You know, this, this question as it goes on, and we started talking about this, I think people, as we stand for our faith in Christ, um, the world will find that kind of rude sometimes, or kind of Almost, almost say that's you're being judgmental. And I think that the question that's being asked, so I'm going to kind of reread this again. We, we've, we've kind of hammered out what does judgment look like towards the believer, towards the unbeliever. But the question says, how do I articulate the difference between godly boundaries and not standing in judgment against somebody? Um, and, and I think one of the things that is, is interesting about that question, to me it seems like there's, there's always going to be this friction that comes up as I take a stand, as I set a boundary or set a conviction up in my life and say, this is this is where my my attitude is going to go, or, and not farther. This is what, how my how I'm going to use my money. This is how I'm going to protect my family. Or like you talked about earlier, Jeff, the, um, the, the idea is I, I've got to set some boundaries and some guardrails up before I um, for my family, as I steward my family, as I take care of them. Well, and I think that's that's huge. Dave, you were talking about boundaries a little bit. I'm going to speak to that a little bit, and we'll we'll keep going on that. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think we were all talking about that, that, that whole idea um, of boundaries are like guardrails. And the whole concept of guardrails is to keep us, you don't set your guardrail two inches from the edge. You set your guardrails farther in so you're not as, a, as likely to go off the edge. But again, the question as a follower of Christ that we should never be asking is, how close can I get to the edge right. without sinning, right? And, I, and again, in Philippians 4, 8, it just kind of sums this up. It basically says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. You know, and that's the attitude. It's not, how close can I get to sin without sinning? It's like, am I filling my heart, my brain, my mind, my soul with what God desires and all those sort of things? So, and having those guardrails. You know, the Billy Graham rule. Billy Graham made a rule that he was never going to travel with a woman that wasn't his wife. You know, and people can argue that, disagree with that. I think it was a great rule, and he set a boundary that he didn't cross, and it bore fruit for him. You know, and, and I think with our own lives, we all have different struggles in different places, but those those guardrails in place. And I can't necessarily tell Hoyt where to set his guardrail or Jeff. Now, but as a brother in Christ, they may communicate to me what their struggle is or what their challenge is and say, hey, help me with these sort of guardrails. But I think, again, we just need that, that support as a church to follow the scriptures of what Jesus had to stay as noble, as pure, as holy that God calls us to. The scripture gives us those boundaries, right? It gives us those guardrails. Um, sometimes it's hard to, to, to think of rules as being free. But as you look in creation, even if you look at life as it goes on, there are always rules and guidelines because God created everything with a purpose. And anything that has a purpose has to operate within that purpose. God has given us those boundaries to keep us within that purpose. <laughs> to fall outside of those boundaries is to say that God's purpose for your life is not what he's deemed it to be, but what you want it to be, and you become derailed. So we remember that freedom really is within the boundaries that God has created for us. That that's not that's not really um, uh, 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 something to hold us down and to keep us, you know, locked down as the world would see. And I think as I think about my example to the world, because they don't have those same boundaries, they don't have those same guardrails. So how do I practically show them that I do have freedom within those boundaries. It's by the way I live my life, right? So if I live my life set according to God's boundaries in his word, they will know, the world will know that I believe in God because of my love, because of the freedom that I have within him. Sure. But let's, let's take it a little step farther here. And because I think the articulation is really important, especially when we have a, we have relationships outside of the church, right? We have relationships with, with maybe a family member who's an unbeliever or um, a friend or a neighbor, right? And and sometimes our, our positions or our stances will look or appear like we're we're judging somebody when when really we're just using wisdom or discernment uh, to, to set up guardrails or boundaries within our own lives. Um, we, we had a, Earlier we had a, um, a scenario, we kind of threw a scenario out you talk about with your daughter and you live in the cloud. Share that and let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, as far as the idea of setting boundaries, you know, when my oldest daughter was young, um, you know, of course, kids want to have, especially girls, want to have sleepovers with their friends and things like that. And so my daughter would come to us and ask, hey, can I have a sleepover at so-and-so's house? Um, you know, but 
we kind of made a rule, my wife and I kind of made a rule early on, we really weren't gonna do a bunch of sleepovers um, in general, unless we really knew the people. And that was the biggest problem with my daughter's request is we don't know the parents personally. Um, and so our, our answer was, no, we're not gonna do that. Um, and it wasn't because those people had done something to us or had done something to our daughter. Um, but if we don't know those people, and especially if they're unbelievers, um, we don't know what goes on in their home. We don't know what they expose their children to in our day and age. Kids are exposed to all kinds of stuff. And, and it's our duty and responsibility as parents to protect our children, to, to raise our children to know and love God, um, and not unknowingly, uh, or ignorantly, I should say, send them off to someone's home who knows what they're doing there, what they're being exposed to. Again, it's not a judgment against those people, um, but you know, if someone were to say to me then, well, aren't you judging that person by not allowing your daughter to go over there? You're, you're passing judgment on them. You know, I don't know how to answer that other than to say, you, know, you can look at it that way if you want, but if I'm gonna articulate that to them, I would be explaining it in that way, that I have a responsibility as a parent to my children and I don't know this situation, and I'm not going to just send my daughter over there into some unknown place. Now, I could send her there, she could spend a night, everything could be fine. But I don't know that. What would happen if it wasn't fine? If, if, if someone molested my daughter or whatever? All kinds of, you could name a whole list of things. How bad would I feel if I left after the fact, knowing that I sent my daughter somewhere? Why well, don't even know these people? So it's not about passing a judgment, but if I'm trying to articulate that to someone who says, you're being judgmental against that person, then I would have to explain it in that way, in terms of my responsibility towards my children to protect them um, from evil, from bad influence, whatever that may be. And that could be as far as even not wanting my children to hang out with certain other kids because of the influence. I may have particular knowledge about a person and their behavior which makes it all the more my responsibility to protect my child from being exposed to whatever that bad behavior is. We can't protect our children from everything, but ultimately I do have a responsibility. And so it's not, I'm not passing judgment on the person. My duty is to protect my child. And this is what I've determined is the best way. Could I make mistakes in that sometimes? Sure. But this isn't about passing judgment on the other person. It's a different focus. It's the focus of protecting my daughter. Let me add, oh, good. Oh, good. I was going to say, I think the word judgment carries a, a very broad meaning. Um, and so in the sense of Hoyt caring for his daughter, he's using judgment. And he is there is judgment there in the sense of he's using wisdom and discretion to make a judgment call. Um, versus what we were talking about earlier, where judgment being like condemning someone. Um, in the Hoyt scenario, I know Hoyt would love those parents and would love to have dinner with those parents and whatnot. Um, but there's a sense of he's relinquishing um, control and responsibility as a parent to this other family that he's unsure of and unaware of. Um, and so in that sense, I think judgment is good. It is wise, especially as a parent carrying that, that responsibility for the safety and protection of your child. Um, and so I think judgment, especially this day and in our culture, is very much like a buzzword. Um, and so I think when we, if someone is expressing that that concern like oh you're being judgmental I think it's like okay let's let's talk about what what you mean by that definition um, because that's where you can get to the heart of what where you're coming from in that and that I'm not trying to 
ignore or not associate with the world. I'm I'm trying to be a responsible parent and love my child well and fulfill the duties that God has given you. Exactly, as a parent. that you must fulfill. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to add on that point though, because the scenario you gave was awesome. But what you know, I think there are scenarios for me where I know the parents, I know what goes on in the house, and I do not want my child. Absolutely. To so there, there's on one hand, we, we got to be wise. We don't know what's going to happen over there. On the, on the same exact level, though, on, in a different scenario, I do know what's going on there, and I still must be wise. I still must use wisdom and, and discernment. I must use good judgment. There's our word. I must use good judgment in order to, to steward what God has given me and protect what God has given me. Um, and and that's, that's okay. It, the world may squawk at that. People may not like that. They may say, you're judging. Well, we aren't judging in the way we talked, started this conversation. Not We're not condemning them right. to hell. I mean, the, they already, the world, especially when we're talking about a, a, a ungodly, a worldly person, a non-believer, um, the, the Holy Spirit is already in the world con, convicting the world of sin. People are already convicted of sin. Uh, the, the scripture talks about by their actions, they're, they're already heaping coals on their on their head. I mean, that it's already occurring just just naturally and they don't like the feel of that by the way so they'll the world will do whatever it takes to to get judgment off their back right so they'll say you're being judgmental because they don't want us what they don't want to feel conviction um and, and like that scenario i think you, you mentioned it alistair there's in no way what i question hoyt's heart as a parent and a father trying to do the best thing you can and and nor do i question um his desire to love that family and love those kids and love those parents towards towards Christ and that's that's absolutely imperative you know it, it's not so it's not judgmental in the condemning sense but we're using sound judgment whether we know the situation or a little bit a lot or not at all we have to use sound judgment well and the question it, it is a good question and the question is about how to articulate the difference between what is being called godly boundaries mm -hmm. right and not standing in judgment and as I think about it, we, re we really are talking about godly boundaries. Our concern for our children is uh, that they would learn to know and love God, and that they would be protected from, from danger from other people. Um, and a lot of times when, when we make decisions for our kids about whether they shouldn't hang out with certain people or those kinds of things, it's because, like you said, we do know the influence isn't going to be good. And we may know specifically what that influence may be. And, and we have even more responsibility in that sense. And that is a godly boundary because our goal is, is to, um, for ourselves personally, is that we would follow and grow um, in our knowledge of God and, and our Christian walk. And we want the same thing for our children. And for me to put them in a situation where they're going to be pulled away from that is not having a godly boundary. Right. So the godly boundary is... I'm protecting them from that. So somehow to articulate it to someone who may accuse you of being judgmental is to is to articulate it in that way that maybe I do particularly know what's going going on over there. They may not have bad motives or even think they're negatively influence, influencing my child, but based on a Christian standpoint, that would be a negative influence on my child, and I don't want my child going there. Right. And don't that's underestimate. A, that's a godly boundary. And I'm sorry, sorry. Don't underestimate. Also, this is a chance for as the followers of Christ as a family to be separate from the world and opportunities for conversation because these even in themselves as a specific example it may be an opportunity to have a discussion with those parents or or in that situation it's 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 a way that the church 
needs to and has to look different. Right, but the way for me to reach that person is not to send my child there as a mission. No, that's what I'm saying. The conversation is, as you said, I'm not comfortable doing that and looking for the opportunity to have a conversation of why. You know, we have different values of what, you know, in terms of what we listen to, what music we have. I mean, it's funny, the rule we had in our house with our kids growing up is any child was always welcome at our house. Yeah, that's my child was not necessarily welcome at other people's house. Yeah, you know, so it was, yeah. a, it was a complete openness to that. And again, I just think there's such an opportunity to even use those, yes, to set limits and to say no, that's appropriate to protect our kids or whatever that decision or, is. But it's also an opportunity for a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And as men, like, I know we're, we're talking about kill children, but also like, um, like you were saying earlier with your wife and someone would come to the door. I don't know if it's on camera or I just remember from the previous conversation. Anyways, like wife comes to the door, she has to make a judgment, right? You're not putting your wife in that position of missionary sometimes. Um, or maybe, maybe you have a, guardrail set like I can't go where there's a bunch of alcohol because I know that's a stumbling block for me but I know that my brother Brandon doesn't struggle with alcohol so I can say hey Brandon this is the situation like is there a way that you can reach out you know right. um, to that and, and I got you go yeah I got one more thing to add onto the whole just the whole sort of situation example of what Boyd was saying um, I think me especially I one of my biggest struggles is fear of man, um, and especially in a culture that is very against um, judgment and like expressing judgment from like what we're talking about. I think there's a temptation for us as Christians to to sort of fall back into what culture would deem is appropriate and to not speak up and to not take a stand. Um, so I think it's it's important and it's it's crucial for us. It's like Dave was saying to look different than the rest of the world in some areas. And so if we feel convicted that it's unwise for a child to go over to someone's house to not cave into the fear of man and what other people are going to think of me as a parent um, or even as a Christian, like, oh, they're so judgmental. Um, but to, to know what's good and right and true, like what you're saying, um, and to, to stand on that and to have humble, genuine conversations with the people who are, who are calling you out in, in that um, sense of being judgmental. I think it's, it's huge. Um, th 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 that judgment word is so, you know, it's such a, it's such a word. Yeah, it's such, so taboo. Yeah. Yeah. But you can, you can articulate this to someone else who may be accusing you of that by talking about the fact that I'm not slandering this person or speaking evil of this person, yeah. right? But then you go on to explain your boundaries. Um, that would be crossing the line. If, if in my articulation of why I don't want this, I begin speaking badly of that person, uh, slandering them, maybe gossiping about them or something like that. And I have, I've crossed the line and I'm sitting there and I shouldn't be doing that. Um, but simply by setting godly boundaries is not a judge, uh, sort of being judgmental against them. No, but, but then the question, how do you articulate? I think, let me, let me lighten, let me lighten the mood a little bit <laughs> because I, I mean, we're parents and, and if you're listening or watching, if you're a parent, this resonates more deeply and this is more personal and, and this could be a little more raw. Um, so I'll switch, I'll switch the scenario, and just briefly. We went through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and we use the envelope system for finances. Um, so every, every paycheck, we, we have a budget, a zero-based zero budget that we pull out money and put in envelopes for certain categories. Um, my, my hay guy is delivering hay right now, pulling money out of the envelope that we set aside for that purpose, right? Well, <clears throat> think about this scenario. If, if my wife takes our our home envelope or, or even her spending cash envelope 
and she goes downtown with her girlfriend, and they're they're downtown shopping or whatever, and and she's she's in a store, and she she gets what she wants, but then she sees this other item. She's like, I, I really want this item, but what? I don't have the cash in the envelope, right? Well, the, the girlfriend could be like, well, that man, that sure is crazy, and, it's, and my wife might communicate. Well, my husband and I, our family, we we have. We have chosen to use our, our money as a tool and use it wisely and not to overspend and overextend ourselves. So we've, we've committed to only spend a certain amount of money um, for things each month. And, and sometimes we can save and sometimes we can, we can spend or whatever it is. But in that conversation, that other person may say, well, that seems judgmental. That seems like, like it's harsh. That seems like you're, you're being restricted, right? And, and that, that, that doesn't seem like much fun. And, and I've had many conversations to that effect about Financial Peace University. But in the real conversation is, no, no, it's, it's not that it's restrictive. It's that it's wise. We, we are practicing wisdom. We are not overextending ourselves. We're not living outside of our means. We are, we are going to practice good stewardship. And that's the articulation of it. It's like, no, you're, you're, there's no judgment here. It's like, you, you can do whatever you want with your money. But we, we have chosen that with what God has entrusted to us to be good stewards of that. And we are using ju- good judgment when we shop. And, and how much we spend on things. And, and if, if we find something that we may need and we don't have the funds for it in this envelope, maybe that's a conversation we can have to, to move some funds from another envelope and put it over for that month. But, but it doesn't just mean we get to go out and buy whatever we want, right? So, so there there's still has to be an articulation of like, there, there's boundaries. We've set up boundaries based on conviction. I think scripture would say, let each, let each person be thoroughly convinced in their heart, right? And, and so we all come up with those different convictions, those different boundaries for our families, for our lives, for the way we interact and spend and all the things we talked about. Um, but ultimately, there's a point where we, when we communicate or to articulate those boundaries without judgment, is just to say, this is, this is the boundary we've set. This is, the, this is what is wise and best for our family. And it's, it's using good judgment, mm-hmm. not being judgmental. I'm not condemning somebody else for spending differently, although I may think it's unwise, and I'm absolutely willing to have a conversation but I'm not going to practice that way. I'm going to I'm going to do something different. And I think it's important to realize that you can you can articulate it the best way possible. Yes. And you still may not be able to convince a person that you're not being judgmental. Absolutely. And ultimately, we can't control what someone else believes about what we're doing. Absolutely. All we can do is try our best to articulate it, and in the, in that, being gentle in our speech and and explain it in a loving way, so that we at least don't come across as judgmental by being snarky or, you know, are, are having a, an attitude that would uh, lend itself to them believing that we're being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but ultimately we can't control what, what other people are going to just determine is the truth, even though I've explained it the best way possible. Right. I think that's a, that's a sorry. Go, go ahead. I think it's a good point. I think something that I wanted to say too is just that, you know, as I, as, as a body of believers, we are a family, right? I'm a family at my own house as well. So another way that I can articulate with my kids um, what is what is not a good boundary or what is a good boundary is in my presentation, right? I can come at my kids hard and fast and knock them back into place, but they're not going to take that very well. It's going to be hard because their own flesh is going to want to fight against that. But if I do it in gentleness, like you were talking about, and I live my life by the boundaries that God has given me, they see that love through me on a day-to-day basis. My kids, though they might not like the boundaries that I've set for them, in the end, they will know it's because I love them, because they have seen 
the, the, that acted out in my own life. And I think as a body of believers sometimes, and I've even felt afraid of this myself, is that oftentimes I don't bother to get to know people. So I don't know their backstory. So if I'm going to go to that person and say, hey, this is something that I see, and I don't know that backstory, and if I don't um, know where they're coming from, I can't do it in the best way possible when it comes to gentleness and you know, being able to express this to them in a way that isn't going to be offensive. Though, like Coach said, there may be instances where they may not like it. But a lot of this has to do with our interaction as a family. I mean, if a lot of times we don't spend enough time with each other to really understand each other. And if I go to a brother and he doesn't understand who I am, he may take it wrong just to start off with before I even get it out of my mind. So as a family, spending that time together, you know, to learn each other's heart so that people can say, you know, Jeff is really coming to me because he really does care about me and my restoration back to Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think, go ahead. I just say briefly on what Hoyt said, expand, which I totally agree. The key is, is it Christ and the gospel that are offending people? Mm-hmm. Or is it me that's offending people? Right. And what we really want is, because the gospel is offensive, yes. but it needs to be the gospel that's offending people and Jesus, not how I'm acting, not what I'm saying. And that's, I think, a, a struggle that, you know, just to reflect, is it me offending or is it the gospel? Yeah. Right, and, and I think, yeah, just maybe to tune in on this and you can correct me, uh, is, is that when, when you're doing something, it's because of the gospel, and that's what's offensive. Not, you know, Dave just, anything that Dave does is not the gospel necessarily. Um, so it is, it's that, it's that marrying of the two. Dave is, you know, uh, Alistair po- pointed out earlier, that it's really the, the people don't like using absolute truth, mm-hmm. right? That's the buzzword, it's judgment, right? Because the Bible gives us absolute truths. And so if in humility, we are following what the truth is. We are following our responsibilities and our guidelines. Those may be offensive, and that's okay. It's when, when I am puffed up and going, Ryan knows best, and I'm offensive. That's when it's not okay. Yeah. It's kind of a classic thing. I remember I was in a fraternity in, in college. Long story, won't go into it. But I had a lot of the brothers, if I was in the room, they'd go out with a string of four-letter words and they'd look, oh, Dave, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. I never once corrected anyone for their, it's not like I'm going to, you shouldn't talk like that around me, right? But there was a conviction there that they saw a difference, right? And I think that's healthy, right? I mean, not that I'm pointing and saying, hey, don't speak that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked we talk about earth. I'm not going to judge them. They weren't believers. Mm-hmm. They can drink or party or do whatever they want to do, but there's still that ability to have a conviction there sure. in a healthy way. Sure. And, that we look different. and part of that conviction now might be, I'm not going to take my kids around those exactly. those guys because That's I don't exactly. I don't want them hearing the string of four letter words and before they're able to discern you know what they are what they mean you know is it appropriate is it not appropriate you I know, just want to set the record straight problems. by the way my kids did have some sleep they're always welcome to come and stay over at our house because we can sort of be in control of right to that and then. And then another parent has to make the same judgment call, right? Well, I was always kind of surprised that the parents would let their kids come over, never having met us, and have no problem. And I'm thinking, man, I could never do that. <laughs> right. I would never be offended if someone didn't let their kid come over to my house. No, no, we'd not be, be offended, but, right. but it puts the shoe you're on the other foot, right? You're right. You're making a boundary you're saying, awesome. saying, this is our boundary. Anybody is welcome in our house. We're going to be really discerning about where we go. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. 
And then you have to assume that they're going to try and make those same. So you won't be offended when they go, I just don't know you, so I don't trust my kids over here. And you can't go, <gasps> yeah. you know, I think, how dare you? Ultimately, we'll, I think we'll wrap up this question. But <laughs> yeah. what it comes down to, and I think, Jeff, you said it yesterday. I think it was you. We're making judgment calls all day all long, every day. And, and we, have to, we have to, as Christ followers, submit ourselves to the Word of God and to His Spirit and do the very best we can at discerning and using wisdom in those judgment calls. And we have to settle in there and sit there and, and, and be okay with what He's calling us to do. Even, even if someone does think, well, that's judgmental. Well, it, it's, it's a judgment call based on, on the Spirit of God and based on His Word and based on what He has called me to be responsible for. So yeah. I think that's, the, that's kind of the crux of that answer yeah. here. Well, I would just like to thank the person who ever asked this question. What a great question. It is a great conversation. Yeah. Um, it's just it's encouraging for us to know that people are seeking to do what God wants for them in their lives. So thank you. I don't know. At the beginning of these videos, I don't know if we could say how many questions we're going to get through. Maybe one a day. One or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the question. Hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully it would muddy the waters more. Uh, certainly if you need follow-up, you certainly can. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna get a drink of water and come back and we'll ask, uh, ask and answer number two. Thanks you guys. Thanks. Thank you.